it's Jonathan Mosin, and on this episode of The Blind Potmaker, we're going to go back into the Mosin at Large archives for 2020 to play you a feature I did when I was searching for a new podcast host. Where to host your podcast is one of the most important decisions that a podcaster can make. You want to get the right combination of reliability, price, features, and of course, the all-important support in case things go wrong. After a lot of searching, I found the host that I'm still with, and in this feature, I'll explain why I chose them and some of the other options that I considered. It's hard for me to believe this, but later this year, I will reach my 16-year anniversary of podcasting. I love the democratizing nature of podcasts. For most of the 20th century, of course, we broadcast via the airwaves, which was a scarce resource, and traditional radio broadcasting is about serving geographical communities of interest, although major conglomerates work around this limitation through networking. Internet streaming came along and broke that model, so that anyone with a little bit of bandwidth and some simple equipment could acquire a global audience with a program coming from a bedroom. Even when podcasting started in 2004, which was when I got into it, the learning curve was fairly steep. Now anyone can create a podcast, free if they like, using just their smartphone. According to Forbes, there are now over 800,000 active podcasts, with over 55 million episodes. If you're thinking about setting up a podcast, you're going to have to choose somewhere to host it. Now, if you already have a blog, like a site that's either self-hosted or on wordpress.com, something like that, you may wonder, why can't you just chuck your episodes up on that site? That is not a good idea, because typical web hosts aren't set up to withstand a lot of people downloading large media files. If you record a podcast episode that lasts an hour, and you encode it at 120 kbps mp3, that file's going to take around about 60 megabytes of storage. Now, if you get thousands of listeners every week, like Mosin at Large does, that is a lot of bandwidth, and your web host is probably going to put you on the naughty list if you try and get people to download files from there. Bandwidth may be rationed, which means downloads for your listeners may be slow. Also, a good podcast host is going to give you detailed statistics, such as where your listeners are and what they're listening with. It's also important to remember that putting up some audio on a website doesn't automatically make it a podcast. If you just upload an MP3 file somewhere, you don't have a podcast. You have an MP3 file on a website. A genuine podcast feed consists of two elements, one that you'll need to know a lot about and another that you may not need to know a thing about if you use a professional podcast hosting service. The file that you need to know a lot about is your media file. It can either be an audio file or a video file, but I'm going to focus on audio files in this discussion. And there's a second file, which, while it's the unsung hero of podcasting, is just as important. That's the podcast feed, which is in RSS format. Now, you may be familiar with RSS in another context. If you use a feed reader like Lyri or Feedler on your iDevice so you can group all your news sources into one convenient app, then yes, this is the same thing, but using a feature of RSS called an enclosure so that a media file can be attached to each entry in the RSS feed. A podcast RSS feed must be structured according to very specific specifications. 
a podcast host will take care of that for you so you don't have to worry about it. So if you want to be a podcaster, you'll need a podcast host. Recently, we changed podcast hosts for Mosin at Large. And before we did that, I did a lot of in-depth study to decide who I would go with. First, let me talk about who I moved from. I've been a customer of Libsyn on and off since Libsyn started in 2004. And you really can't go wrong with Libsyn. You know that saying about no one ever got fired for buying IBM? Libsyn's quite similar, really. Libsyn, which is short for Liberated Syndication, is a respected player in the podcast space. Many big-name podcasters host with Libsyn, and they have a well-earned reputation for promoting and protecting the independence and openness of podcasters and podcast standards. Because they're such a major trusted player, Libsyn often gets early partnerships before other hosts do. For example, when Spotify began rolling out podcast integration, Spotify partnered with Libsyn very early on so creators with Libsyn could list their podcasts on Spotify. Once you've added your podcast feed to Apple Podcasts, which is the single most important distribution step you must take when you're setting up a new podcast, a Libsyn concept called Destinations allows you to ensure that you're listed on many other podcast directories right from the Libsyn dashboard. It's convenient to be able to log in to one place and grow your podcast's reach. For the most part, Libsyn is accessible and their support is responsive, although I did have one or two issues over the years that were never fully resolved, and I was left with the impression that commitment to accessibility was not the highest of priorities. Well, from time to time, curious person that I am, I always like to check out whether I'm using the best current solution in any given area, and my podcast host is no exception. I was motivated to see what other options were out there because Libsyn's pricing structure was beginning to hurt me a little bit in the wallet. Now, the way that Libsyn works is that it charges you only for the storage that your podcast episodes consume in a month. Once the first of the month rolls around again, your podcast episodes for the previous month are archived and you get a fresh allocation for the new month. You can get started with Libsyn for just five US dollars a month. For this, you'll get 50 megabytes of storage every month. If you upload a podcast at 96 kbps stereo MP3, that'll give you enough for an hour long episode per month with a little bit to spare. If you upload in mono, you can make it last doubly long. Although I certainly wouldn't want you to hear our lovely jam jingles in mono. So that's why I always encode in stereo. But if you don't have any stereo elements that you want your listeners to get, then going mono makes a lot of sense. It's a smaller file for your listeners to download or stream, and they'll thank you for that if they're on metered mobile data. Going up to $15 per month, you get 250 megabytes of storage, but only basic statistics. The sweet spot for many people with Libsyn is their $20 plan, which gives you 400 megabytes per month of storage and advanced statistics. That's the plan I had with Libsyn, and it used to serve me well enough, particularly when I was doing the blind side. I really appreciate that Libsyn doesn't punish you for your popularity. Some podcast hosts I looked at, and you'll hear about this as we go through some of the ones that I examined, will charge you more if more people download your show. 
And with a show as popular as this one has become, and thank you so much for that, I really do appreciate it, that was really going to sting me in the wallet. However, with Mosin at large, I was regularly exceeding my 400 megabyte limit with Libsyn, even after lowering the bitrate of my files from 128 to 96 kbps stereo. And as I say, I do want you to hear those jam jingles in stereo. So I was regularly having to buy extra storage with Libsyn or make a decision not to make content available that I thought was worth including, and that's a shame. So I decided to see if there was anything better that suited my needs. My priorities may be different from most, first because of the length of the Mosin at Large shows. This is a long podcast, but also because I am hosting a well-established podcast, which, while it doesn't get hundreds of thousands of downloads like some do, is in the top 3% of podcasts in terms of listener numbers, which I find quite astounding. Over the last seven months or so, I've been a voracious reader of and contributed to the podcasting subreddit, and that's helped me to narrow down my choices. I ruled out the completely free services like Anchor. Now, I'm not saying that they aren't a great choice for some, but I do have concerns about how easy it might be to take your content to another host with Anchor and with the responsiveness of technical support. When something's completely free, there is usually a catch. With Spotify now having purchased Anchor, they're using it as a loss leader and as a disruptor to try and gain a foothold in the podcast industry. I passionately believe that podcasts should remain open and cross-platform. If you choose, say, Castro as your podcast client of choice, I believe you should be able to hear all your podcasts in the one app, not have to go to Spotify or Luminary for exclusive content. I totally understand that professionals who want to make a living from podcasting need to monetize their podcast somehow. But there are ways to do that that don't involve exclusivity on particular platforms. For this reason, I don't want to encourage Anchor or Spotify. But if you're willing to get around the accessibility quirks, Anchor has the tools many people need right from their smartphone app, including recording interviews with guests. There are other free options which, in my view, are safer and better adhere to the open ethics and ethos of podcasting. You may wish to take your podcast to another host one day, so before you sign up with any new podcast host, you should investigate whether a podcast host adheres to a set of standards that facilitate this. Specifically, a podcast host should, without question, give you the option to add a 301 redirect to your RSS feed. This is how I was able to move so seamlessly from Libsyn to the new host I chose, without really inconveniencing many listeners at all. When a podcast client or directory checks a podcast feed to see if there are new episodes and it finds a 301 redirect in the RSS feed, it's kind of a bit like finding that a change of address form has been submitted with the post office to redirect all your mail from where you used to live to where you live now. Any good podcast client and for that matter, podcast directory as well, such as Apple Podcasts, will note that change and redirect all traffic for that podcast in future. It requires the podcast app to respect the protocol, but all good ones do, and if yours does not, 
it's frankly time to get a better podcast client so you don't miss out on future episodes when one of your favorite podcasts relocates. So let's do some mini reviews of a few podcast hosts. If you run your own podcast and would like to share your experiences with different hosts, do feel free. You'd be very welcome. First, Podbean. This one definitely gets a very honorable mention. When I started the Blindside podcast, I hosted it on SoundCloud, but support was difficult to obtain. Some of the more advanced features weren't available. And at one point, SoundCloud's future was looking pretty precarious. In fact, I believe it may not even be profitable today. The trick is to get your files off a sinking ship, if you'll excuse the mixed metaphors, before the ship sinks and you can't get your files anymore. Although I should also say that I store everything I produce on our Synology network attached storage drive, so I have a local copy just in case. So I moved the Blindside podcast to Podbean for a while, and it is very good. They offer a five-hour plan free, which gives you 100 gigabytes of downloads per month. Having talked to Podbean about this, my understanding is this is not five hours per month. This is five total hours. So if you reach your five hours and you want to upload more content, you will have to delete older content so you only have a maximum of five hours up there at any one time. It's a clever plan because it restricts you in both directions. It's an incentive not to make your shows too long, and there's a data cap. If you're just getting started with podcasting and your episodes are 30 to 50 megabytes each, the bandwidth limit will be just fine. If you can pay annually, Podbean's unlimited plan for audio podcasts is an extremely attractive deal. $14 if you pay monthly, just $9.95 if you pay yearly. For that, you get peace of mind and no complicated gotchas. Unlimited time, unlimited bandwidth, but only one show. Podbean refers to each show as a channel, and you only get one channel with this unlimited account. So if you would like to run several shows at once, you'll need a much more expensive business account. Podbean also offers advanced statistics on their unlimited plan. Your podcast gets included in their Podbean app, which last I looked was sort of okay from an accessibility point of view. You can record with this app, and there's also a Podbean soup drinker skill. When I last looked at their dashboard, accessibility was quite good, but not perfect. And when I used it, which was some time ago now, I did encounter some language barriers with the technical support. And it was one of those places that felt like they were working from a script whenever you contacted them. The price is right, though, and the service has proven that it's a serious player in the industry. It's robust and reliable. And recently, they've added a live streaming option. This would allow you to do what we do here on Mosin at Large, for example, and stream a live version of the show. Several respected blindness podcasts use Podbean, and I'd recommend it overall if you want to host one show without any worries about time or bandwidth. Next, having seen some excellent support material on their website and YouTube and come across various help articles when I've been Googling about things, I checked out Buzzsprout. Now, appropriately enough, there has been quite a bit of buzz about Buzzsprout of late, justifiably so, as they've been adding new features. I didn't get as far as trying it, so I can't comment on accessibility, but they boast a lot of cool features. 
Magic Mastering is based on Orphonic, which is a key tool in getting this podcast to sound the way that it does. For an additional fee, which varies depending on the plan that you're on, once you've uploaded your episode to Buzzsprout, Magic Mastering will apply leveling, equalization, and noise reduction. It's convenient, but I think using Orphonic before you upload to Buzzsprout would work out cheaper, particularly since the cloud-based version of Orphonic gives you two free hours every month, and of course you can pay a one-off fee and use the desktop apps indefinitely. There's transcription integration as well with Buzzsprout, but keep in mind that all these additional features start to really add up. If you're just getting started with podcasting, and you're not sure if you want to commit any dosh to it, Buzzsprout does offer a free plan, and you're not required to hand over any credit card information to use it. You only get two hours per month on that free plan, and your episodes are deleted after 90 days. They're serious about customer attention as well, so if you stick around on a paid plan for six months, they will send you a $20 Amazon gift certificate. So how much are those paid plans, and what do you get? Well, for $12 per month with Buzzsprout, you get three hours of storage every month. You can buy more time for $4 per hour. This is, of course, US pricing. $18 gets you six hours per month, with every additional hour costing $3. And $24 per month scores you 12 hours with additional time at $2 per hour. For Mosin at large, this is the minimum plan that I would have required. But it pays to read the fine print and the experience of others. In the fine print, you will find that all plans are limited to 250 gigabytes per month, so don't get too successful. And the big one, no matter what you send to Buzzsprout, with a couple of exceptions relating to magic mastering, they will re-encode your audio to 96 kbps mono. Uh, no, no thanks. No podcast host of mine is going to mess with my audio file. Bye-bye, Buzzsprout. For my needs, it would have been a downgrade from Libsyn. So who's next at our audition for podcast host idol? Well, we'll take a look at Captivate. I really like the vibe of Captivate's website. They convey knowledge of podcasting and apparently its founders have had past experience in the industry. For a flat fee of $19 per month, you can start as many shows as you like and you can add as many team members as you like. A very sweet deal. There is a catch though. The total listens per month of all those podcasts can't exceed 12000 per month. Now, apparently... 97% of podcasts don't get this high. So all I can say is <laughs> thank you because Mosin at large gets much higher than that. That means we'd have to go up to the Captivate $49 plan and that is far more expensive than Libsyn. If you're not approaching the 12,000 download limit per month, Captivate is definitely worth a look. They look like they know what they're doing. Transistor is next on my list. That's a cool name for a podcast host. It's another relatively new podcast host that's making some noise. It offers a similar feature set to Captivate. It's got unlimited shows and their price point is $19 per month. However, their plan was even less suitable for my needs because downloads are capped at $10,000 per month. So I would have needed a higher priced plan and that would have been more expensive again than Libsyn. 
Simplecast is very similar, with a $15 per month plan offering unlimited shows and 20,000 downloads per month. Sad to say, still not quite enough for Mosin at large, but they are a respected player. There are lots of respected podcasters on Simplecast, and they have proven themselves to be a safe pair of hands. Now we get to my runner-up in my search for a new podcast host. It was a fairly close-run thing. It suited my particular use case because I operate my own WordPress site, and you may have visited mosin.org over the years, and I'm also a proficient WordPress user. So wouldn't it be cool if you could host your files and RSS feed on a dedicated podcast host, which is optimized for media storage like that, while managing the whole experience from your WordPress dashboard that you already know and love, and you may be spending quite a bit of time there anyway. So this is the big strength of Castos. You can host your content with Castos if you don't use WordPress, and you may wish to do that because their prices and feature set are very attractive. But they also own the seriously simple podcasting WordPress plugin. The pricing model couldn't be simpler. Unlimited storage and bandwidth and shows all for just $19 per month. That is a fantastic deal. No surprises, no catches. Pay your $19 and you can start as many shows as you like without being punished for being successful. And if you pay for a year up front, you'll get two months free, which lowers the cost even further. For additional charges, you can get automatic transcription for your podcast at competitive rates. They use the Rev API, which is well-respected, and they even have a podcast editing service if you're willing to pay for it, although I'm too much of a control freak to have someone else edit my podcast, not to mention that it's not cheap. Once you have it all set up, you just post to your WordPress blog, you assign a category for podcast episodes, and Castos does the rest. I set up a demo account and there were one or two unlabeled buttons, but I don't think there was anything that I would consider a showstopper. But I didn't choose any of these hosts because since I started frequenting the podcasting subreddit, one host that I had never heard of before doing that kept coming up. One thing I've come to appreciate is that when a small provider of anything gets really passionate, devoted followers it's usually worth checking out. Castro, the podcast client that we've talked about repeatedly on this show, is a case in point. Before I started using it, I didn't know many people who did. But those who did talked it up in a way that was really unusual for, well, after all, just a podcast client. So when I checked it out for myself to see what all the fuss was about, I became just as passionate. I've also found that there are advantages as a blind person with accessibility requirements in going with smaller companies who have one or maybe two developers. The station playlist suite, which many blind internet broadcasters now use, is an example of this. I began using that software as soon as it was developed and began working with its developer on accessibility right from the start. Since it was so easy to get to the developer, and have email exchanges, we've been able to do amazing things over the 20 years that I've been using it. So I kept hearing about this podcast hosting service called Pinecast. When I started reviewing my podcast hosting, I was keen to find out what all the fuss was about. 
Like many of the newer hosts, Pinecast also offers a free plan, and it's generous. You can host up to two separate shows. Each episode for those shows must be 48 megabytes or less. If you encode even a 96K stereo, that's enough to give you an hour per episode. And only your last 10 episodes remain in the feed on the free plan. For many people, that'll be enough to satisfy their requirements without paying a cent. Every episode you publish will tell the world that you're hosting on Pinecast, which I think is fair enough for a free plan. For $10 per month, you can access Pinecast's starter plan, although it will suit many experienced podcasters too. For this, you can host an unlimited number of shows and episodes. There are no storage limits and no bandwidth limits. Each show you create can have its own website and it's accessible to customize those websites. The player is also accessible for listeners. That's important because some people do prefer to go to a website and play an episode, particularly if they're searching for archival material. If you want, you can buy your own domain for your show and assign it to your Pinecast website. The $10 plan includes basic statistics, but depending on how deep you want to dive into your stats, that may be all that you need. If you're looking to monetize your podcast, Pinecast offers a no-commission tip jar, and you can publish private episodes that only sponsors can access. There is one limitation that won't affect most people, but it is something that I needed to crunch the numbers on and be mindful of when I was thinking about making the switch. While you can upload as many episodes as you like, the episodes have to be 80 megabytes or less. That's a long episode, and even most of ours come in at just under 80 megabytes. Now, if your episodes are longer than that, you have an 80 megabyte surge pool, which refreshes every month. So let's say that I produce a 90 megabyte episode, which roughly I did last week in episode 51. In that case, because I've gone over my limits by 10 megabytes, that 10 megabytes is taken from my monthly surge pool, giving me 70 megabytes of surge left for the month. I can continue to upload as many episodes as I like, but if I go over the limit again with another 90 megabyte episode, another 10 megabytes will be removed from my surge pool. Yes, I wish that limitation didn't exist, but I can definitely live with it And any choice like this is going to be a series of trade-offs. I could, for example, go with Podbean and I wouldn't have to worry about that 80 megabyte limitation on my episodes, but I also wouldn't be able to create more than one show. With Pinecast, I have the option to create as many shows as I want, and that has come in handy. One of the reasons people rave about Pinecast is because of the support, which is quick, thorough, polite, and makes me feel like my business is important. To save money with my Libsyn feed, I kept all my episodes in one feed in chronological order. So what you had was the recent episodes of Mosin at Large at the top, and then if you went back far enough, you got the In the Arena series, which is the autobiographical interviews that Glenn Gordon did about my life, And then, past that, you get to the Blindside podcast, which I stopped producing in 2018. So I contacted Matt from Pinecast to ask him if there was any way 
that I could separate these three distinct podcasts now that I was with a host that allowed me to create unlimited shows when I did the import from Libsyn. And he told me exactly how it could be done. And with some help from Ira to speed the process way up, it was a snap. Importing from Libsyn was lightning fast, given the amount of content being transferred. It only took a couple of minutes. So now you can subscribe to The Blind Side in your podcast app of choice if you want to access the old episodes there, as well as in the arena, which is now separately available on Apple Podcasts and other directories. The Mosin at Large feed now just contains Mosin at Large. Brilliant. You can also buy add-ons with Pinecast to create the mix of features that suit your needs. Another $10 will give you advanced stats, which include things like the countries and cities people are listening from. And this is another opportunity for me to give a testimonial about Pinecast's legendary support. I purchased this module and was a little bit perplexed because it didn't really seem to do anything. So I asked my daughter Heidi, who you've heard on this podcast several times, what was going on, and we took a look at it visually. It turns out that there was a button that when you pressed it, brought up a menu way down the bottom of the screen, and that menu was very difficult to navigate with a screen reader. First, with certain screen readers, when you pressed the button, the menu didn't even pop up at all. Second, if it did actually pop up, it was quite difficult to activate an option from that menu. So I wrote to Matt at Pinecast and explained the situation. Extraordinarily, within 24 hours of me first reporting this issue as an accessibility matter that might be addressed next time he did an update, he had completely fixed it. Now, there is a bit of graphical data when you view your statistics, but you can navigate past that and get to all the information. I am just so impressed that within such a short time, a pretty significant fix was made to a control that rendered it difficult to fully accessible. That is service I can get really enthusiastic about. The $10 Crew add-on lets you add collaborators to specific shows, which is great if you want to get into running a podcast network. You can even receive notifications using a variety of methods, including email and Slack, pertaining to feedback on your podcast and other milestones. A growth add-on, another $10 a month, provides additional tools for monetizing your podcast. And finally, there is a $15 Hi-Fi add-on that replaces the 80 megabytes episode limit with the 80 megabyte surge with a 250 megabyte episode limit and a 250 megabyte surge. That is pretty humongous. Pinecast is very accessible and you can write your show notes in Markdown. This means that using Ulysses or the Writage plugin that I described in episode 48 of Mosin at Large, I can write great-looking show notes and copy and paste them right into the editor on Pinecast. There are a few features I miss having made the jump from Libsyn. At the moment, Pinecast doesn't offer the ability to post an episode to social media once it's published. But it isn't too much hassle to open Twitter or Facebook in a new tab and do that yourself. Pinecast, unlike Libsyn, also won't publish your episode to Facebook or YouTube, but there are third-party tools that will do that. Given what I'm now paying and the freedom I have to publish the way I want, 
plus the outstanding technical support, I am thrilled with Pinecast. If you want to give it a try for yourself and support Mosin at Large at the same time, you can use my referral code when you sign up. When you use that referral code, you get 40% off your first four months with Pinecast. Yay for you. And if you stick around, I get two months free podcast hosting. Yay for me. So I'm going to give you my referral code and I will also put this in the show notes because it may be easier to copy and paste. But if you want to write it down, my referral code is R dash, that's R dash for referral, D-A-C-7-D-A. That's R for Romeo dash Delta Alpha Charlie 7 Delta Alpha. You can take Pinecast for a spin. I think you will really enjoy it. You can find it at pinecast.com and I will put links to these podcast hosts in the show notes. So that's where we wrap it up for this edition of The Blind Podmaker. But remember, there are many ways that you can contribute to this community. You can join us on Clubhouse. If you're on Clubhouse, follow The Blind Podmaker community there. Just search for The Blind Podmaker and you will find us there. We have our regular roundtables and other features as well. If you have something to contribute to this podcast feed, maybe a demo of a plugin or a microphone or a podcast host or anything relating to producing a podcast, we'd love to get that demo. Even if you've used it on your own podcast, we'll give you credit for the podcast. Make sure people know where to find you. So do be in touch with me at Jonathan at MushroomFM.com. That's Jonathan at MushroomFM.com. And of course, the Blind Podmaker community group is available via email. You can send a blank email to subscribe to it by emailing creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. That's creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. See you soon for another episode of The Blind Podmaker. 